Hello and welcome to the In Publishing podcast, bringing you weekly insights into the newspaper and magazine publishing sector. I'm Keir Byrne and this week my guest is Rob Ahern, Managing Director of the Motorcycling Magazine Portfolio at Bauer Media. Before we start, we would like to thank our podcast sponsor, ATEX. ATEX provides software solutions to newspapers, magazines and online publishers worldwide. Its products include Desk, a content management suite with flexible options for efficient digital and print publishing, and cross-advertising, a cloud-based solution providing end-to-end multi-channel advertising management. For more information, go to atex.com. Our guest today is Rob Ahern, Managing Director of Bauer's Motorcycling Titles. Last October, Bauer launched Bikes Unlimited, an app offering readers access to all six of its motorcycle magazines in one place, the weekly MCN, plus monthlies Ride, Bike, Classic Bike, Practical Sports Bikes, and the quarterly Custom Bike magazine Built. I think I've got them all in there. Is that right, Rob? That That's them, yep. Yep, yep, good. Well, Rob, welcome to the In Publishing podcast. Thank you very much um, for having me. You used to edit Haymarket's car magazines, What Car and Auto Car, before you became MD of Bauer's motorcycling titles in 2013. And before that, you were a Formula One correspondent. Your Twitter profile describes you as car guy turned bike bloke. Is it fair to say you're a motoring fanatic and are are cars or bikes your first love? Gosh, well, I've always been a petrolhead. That much is clear. Um, cars were very much my first love. Motorcycles are something that I've got into during my time at Bauer running the motorcycle division. And now it's actually a really close call. I mean, I still love cars, but but motorcycling is something else. It's something unique. Um, I think it's different from, uh, you know, being a motorcycle enthusiast is different from being a car enthusiast. Motorcyclists quite often are defined by the fact that they're a motorcyclist. You know, it, it's really something that, that is part of their identity and you know when you become a motorcyclist it's like joining a brotherhood or a tribe and that's why you see motorcyclists out on the road and they nod to each other when they ride past each other because you know it's like being inducted into a into a sort of secret society that 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 only knew that only you know about and um one that just offers so much potential for um entertainment for thrills and for meeting other other really nice people so you know motorcycling is a great industry and I've really enjoyed being part of it. Brilliant can you tell us a little bit more about your current role and responsibilities? So yes I'm managing director of Bauer's uh, motorcycling portfolio which spans all of the uh, motorcycle titles that are in the Bikes Unlimited app plus also a significant digital business through our MCM brand online uh, and a fast-growing events operation as well. So Bauer is the biggest motorcycle media publisher in Britain by a distance. We really dominate the uh, the modern motorcycling and classic motorcycling markets. And an MCM, which is our sort of flagship title, you know, that's one of the most um, that's one of the most recognised motorcycle publications in the world, and the biggest selling automotive title on two or four wheels in Britain. So um, there's always lots going on. And um, the challenges of the last few years, which I'm sure we'll come on to in a minute, have been really interesting for us because while we've got a print business that's under quite a lot of pressure with um, newsstand sales, not what they were, and lots of competition from people who weren't really our competitors in the past, there are lots and lots of new opportunities for us to explore too. So it's always an exciting time. 
And can you tell us a bit more about um, Bower's stable, or should I say garage, of, of motorcycling titles and the different audiences they cater to? Yeah, so we publish um, six regular frequency titles. Um, the biggest is MCN, which is our kind of weekly newspaper. It's been the voice of uh, the voice of UK motorcycling for 65 years. So it's a very kind of long-lived and um, prominent title. And basically anybody who's a motorcyclist has heard of MCN and will pick a, a copy with some degree of regularity. And over the years, that, that stable has swelled to include um, two other modern uh, monthly titles, Bike and Ride, both of which serve slightly different audiences. Bike is all about enthusiasm and the love of machinery. Ride is a more practical, useful title that tells you where to ride, how to get the best deal, what sort of kit to buy. Uh, that kind of stuff. We've got two classic titles or titles focused on older motorcycles, Classic Bike, which is the kind of market leading classic title and Practical Sports Bikes, which is um, a really interesting magazine devoted to, to the kind of cult of um, 80s and 90s sports bikes, which were the, the machines that a lot of uh, a lot of our readers generally really cut their teeth on. Uh, and Built is a custom title. It's quarterly. It's glossy. It's more lifestyle than anything else that, that we do. So I would say that the motorcycling audience is an interesting one in media terms because uh, it's an audience that's aged a bit over the years and an audience whose tastes have become more uh, Catholic, if you like, much broader. So in the past, motorcycling was very tribal. People tended to like specific marks and specific bikes. And, you know, there's a sort of never the twain shall meet attitude towards things. Nowadays, motorcyclists tend to have grown up a bit and they're older and they tend to like lots of different types of bike and different types of reading. So we know that there's quite a lot of um, cross-pollination between our titles with um, people reading multiple titles. And obviously our challenge is, you know, my challenge particularly as the publisher is to get them to read as many of our titles as regularly as possible. Hence one of the reasons why Bikes Unlimited was born. And is your reach mainly in the UK or do you have a global audience? We've got a global audience, but it but it's UK biased mainly because MCN, which is our biggest selling title, uh, is a very kind of UK centric. You uh, certainly a UK centric print product. It has more of a global digital audience now. The uh, the monthlies and built have got a more significant overseas audience, but it, but it's relatively small compared to the UK. Where we're getting real capture internationally is digitally. So the MCN website is the biggest motorcycling website in Britain, but about 30% of its traffic comes from overseas, particularly in the US. And that's not an audience that MCN could ever reach before. So that's becoming quite a decent uh, a decent opportunity for us going forward. Right, right. And you touched on the fact that it has been a tough decade for magazines. And I know that all of your titles, as so many magazines, have seen declines in their print circulation. Um, can you talk us through some of those challenges you've faced? And you mentioned opportunities, your strategies for overcoming them. Yeah, so I suppose our, our challenges are, are twofold. You, you have the general pressure that, that print media is, you know, we have a business that, that's heavily print media focused. And it's, you know, I don't need to spell out the challenges that, that print media faces. You know, we're subject to them much in the same way that everybody else is. Motorcycling has some interesting and specific challenges in that the audience is aging. So you have a situation where your um, your average reader kind of gets a little bit older every year. Fewer people are coming into motorcycling at the bottom end than they were maybe 20 years ago because of legislation, because of sort of societal pressure. So parents don't want their children going onto motorcycles. 
it's easier to buy them a car these days. Whereas, you know, for a lot of our readers growing up in the 70s and 80s, a car wasn't an option for them. Motorcycles, their means of mobility. And that shifted around quite a lot over the years. So you have a situation where people stop motorcycling when they get a bit older or they've fallen off once too often and they're not replaced by new people coming in. So both of those uh, both of those dynamics are problematic for us. I think the opportunity for us is that we enjoy really fantastic reach um, to a highly engaged audience. And the benefit of our audience being aging is that they're, a lot of them are prepared to spend a lot of money on their hobby, you know, whether it's bikes, kit, doing things, going places. Uh, and we're able to help connect them with way with um, we're able to help connect them with advertisers and people they want to spend their money with in a much more direct way than we were in the past. So there are significant opportunities for us digitally around areas like e-commerce, more transactional businesses uh, and using data in, um, in smarter ways. So as an example of that, we've built a pretty significant insurance aggregation business, MCN Compare, which can, allows uh, motorcyclists to compare a number of different insurance policies in one place. We're now um, selling over 25,000 or directing over 25,000 motorcyclists to their policies in that way each year uh, and kind of making revenue off the back of that. So there's definitely opportunities um, outside of conventional old school print media for brands like MCN and for our portfolio to grow. Right. Which brings us on to the Bikes Unlimited app. Um, Can you tell us more about the thinking behind the launch of the app and more about how it works and what it offers? So the idea with Bikes Unlimited is that it allows you to... um, to read any one of our, our sort of six regular frequency motorcycle titles in one app for one monthly or annual price. So it's a it's a really straightforward way of wrapping what we feel is a lot of great content into one package for a sort of single convenient price and transaction. And I suppose it was born out of a couple of things, really. Um, there is a general trend, obviously, in the media towards subscriptions and platforms that aggregate content which we've seen sort of move from um, from music and film towards media uh, and that's a trend we're obviously interested in and and in our particular portfolio very well placed to exploit because we have a lot of different motorcycle titles appealing to lots of different interests so basically we think we produce a motorcycling product to suit anybody and we've got significant crossover and readership between those products. So the idea of getting them all together in one app was quite a compelling one for us because we felt we had a real opportunity to engage our readers, to get them reading more of our content. And ultimately, you know, in cold, hard business terms, to drive a, a higher average revenue per user that way, if we could wrap it all up into a kind of compelling product. So that's where the thinking around Bikes Unlimited came from. Um, the technology challenge was another thing because, you know, we are a business that is transitioning to being a more digital business. We don't have the um, the kind of resource and direction of a Netflix to go out and create our own platform to, to service a product like this. Happily, one of the benefits of working for Bauer as a kind of global business is that we're able to um, access technology and thinking that's done in other parts of uh, the Bauer Empire in other territories and, and kind of repurpose that to our own advantage. And that's what happened with Bikes Unlimited. One of our German titles developed a product that was uh, that was very similar 
so that it could offer okay. its readers a number of yeah. different magazines. And we were able to piggyback um, their development and effectively reskin their app to create Bikes Unlimited. So it meant it was actually a very, um, a very low cost execution in terms of being a, a new product launch from a technical perspective. And really on that basis, a, a no brainer to, to do. We could get out and try it and, and see what happened without really feeling that we were betting the farm on it. So once we had the idea, actually bringing it together was months, not years, which is really reassuring with a, a digital product because things usually take much longer and are more complex and expensive. And presumably you were able to tweak the design element of the German app to suit your your portfolio yes we we, we were it was um it was reskinned and some new functionality was added to turn it into bikes unlimited so we actually had a you know quite a quite a reasonable development effort to make it feel like a bespoke product but but happily what we were starting with actually sort of very promising raw materials even though it was designed for completely different i mean it's designed for a german women's magazine so completely different okay. audience and, and product but actually it suited what we wanted to do really well so a lot of what we were doing was just kind of reskinning it and adjusting little bits of functionality to you know reflect the size and shape of motorcycles and that sort of thing but it didn't really require a, a huge development effort as such and then how did you go about marketing this this brilliant new app that you had well as i say one of the one of the trump cards we feel that we hold is we've got fantastic reach among motorcyclists we think we've reached around a million motorcyclists a year which is a significant portion of the, the the total number riding in the uk today so we always felt confident that we could get the product in front of the right audience um, but we also saw opportunities in terms of being able to put the product into app stores that would get it seen globally um, and at the moment we're certainly seeing that the balance of our sales as you might expect still comes from um, apple itunes so I suppose we saw um, we saw an opportunity there, you know, in terms of working with the platforms to extend our reach to audiences that we couldn't reach, but a really good opportunity to offer our existing audience a product that we made more money from crudely. Um, but I suppose what it came back to was um, we thought this has to be compelling. You know, we believe our content's good, but the pricing had to be compelling and it had to be an easy decision to make. Because from our point of view, the best decision that one of our customers can make in financial terms is to subscribe to the app as opposed to, say, buy a product infrequently at the newsstand. So we knew that we had to um, be quite aggressive in our pricing and offer really good value to try to persuade people to switch over. Um, so far, so far, so good. It looks like that's happening and, and that people get it and and they like the value that it promises and the content that, that they can kind of unlock once they subscribe. So offering something that, that was really good value and easy to use were, were the kind of key, the kind of key things that we try to do. And can you just tell us the price point that you ended up at? So we ended up with a price point of £7.99 a month or um, £90 for the full year. Um, which you know is a significant increase on our subscriber avenue revenue per av it's a key increase on our average uh, revenue per subscriber that we normally see um, we're quite aggressive about pricing to get people into the app we've got a trial running at the moment that offers a, a half price year subscription now that we've launched the mag on our own great magazines platform and we do move the pricing and the marketing around quite a lot um, 
you know, if I'm honest, most of the effort at the moment is going into really getting into the detail of what works and what doesn't from a marketing perspective. That's been made quite challenging by COVID-19 because people's habits have right. changed yeah. a lot. Um, but I would say it's been a, you know, it's been a good time for us to have this product because at a time when a lot of um, our retail outlets are closed, particularly WH Smith, which really hurts more specialist titles yeah. this is a way of allowing people to read all of our products from their own homes so it's been a it's been good that we had the, the right product for now but equally you know we've had to work pretty hard to market it hard to get it in front of the right people and and to be prepared to be aggressive with the pricing to get people on board and and looking back on that launch process and that marketing fine-tuning is there anything you would have done differently? Um, I think that we would have been, that I think we should have been prepared to be more aggressive with pricing from the get-go because what we've seen right. since we've started to, to offer really enticing offers is really, really good retention. And, yeah. um, the, you know, the volume has more than made up for what we've sacrificed initially in terms of revenue. And I think we were maybe a little bit conservative when we launched because we didn't know if it would work. And we didn't know if our assumptions about people's reading habits and their desire to read, you know, more than one motorcycle title every month, for the sake of argument, would, would really hold water. Um, you know, the, the only concern at the, the back of my mind is we're obviously in really unusual times at the moment where people yeah. have had lots of time to read and they've been laid up at home. And, you know, we've seen our numbers go through the roof really in that time it's very difficult because of the time we launched the product to know if that is um if that's a trend that's exacerbated by covid or whether it, it's here to say if it's here to say then great because people are liking the app and using it lots and you know we think deriving a lot of value from it um so no i, I think if i had my time again um adopting a more aggressive pricing strategy to persuade people to try the app would have been the direction we've gone in because because it's really made a difference to our volumes. And you've already touched on this, but what what has been the response so far? Um, what have been your most popular features, for example? And I believe that you've also had a good take up from Android readers who are usually quite difficult to reach. Yeah, I'd say that the key learning so far is we've already beaten our target for the year. We beat our target for the year at the end of April. Um, which, as um, my boss said, probably meant that the target was too low, but it felt pretty good right. to me. Um, so we certainly feel like the product is in the right place because because the number of people who are using it have really come in. There's some quite interesting um, there's some quite interesting uh, patterns in terms of who's buying. So as you say, we, we've enjoyed really good penetration in the Google Play Android App Store. It, it, it's easily Bauer's biggest selling title there, and it has the best conversion from um, from installation to, to, to purchase of our our titles there which is really um, which is really surprising and, and interesting in terms of wider analytics we're still getting into the the detail of that you know analytics and apps are a complicated business there are limits to your visibility when you have um, customers in the apple and google stores which is a little bit frustrating but that's life and we're still in the process of hooking up really detailed analytics but on the basis of what we've seen at the moment it's clear that people who are buying the app are prepared to try all of the products within it which is you know i think if you if you look at it as a virtual newsstand it, it is really pleasing from my 
perspective because in an environment where it's all bauer products you know they're consuming lots more of our media than they would do otherwise so so far it, it you know it, it's really working and the challenge for us now is to is to work out ways of keeping that going and it might be difficult to answer this question because, as you say, coronavirus um, has brought us into very unusual times and reading habits have changed. But have you seen the app impact on the sales of your individual titles? So COVID means it's really, really difficult to unpick that. So it, it's not a question that I can answer. I would expect there to be some impact because we are marketing it quite aggressively to <clears throat> excuse me, our existing print subscribers because as i say we think it's the best decision that one of our customers can make um, at the moment all of our subscriptions are up which is the thing that it's making it difficult to unpick and our newsstand sales like a lot of people's are compromised by the fact that our retail footprint just isn't what it was at the end of february so so it's really hard to tell there will be some substitution but because the the product's reaching a global audience and we are seeing a significant number of sales from overseas, there is there is unquestionably more opportunity than threat. And you borrowed the idea, for want of a better term, from uh, from your German um, Bauer counterparts. Do you think that bundled app subscriptions could be extended to other areas of Bauer's magazine market in the UK? Yeah, it's definitely something we're looking at at the moment. I mean, not all of our markets have the penetration that we enjoy in motorcycling. I don't think we've got any other markets where we've got this many titles and, and, and such a big market share. But certainly in, in some of our other markets, such as automotive, where we've got a big presence and even gardening, you can see how bundling products together in an app is an enticing consumer proposition. And, you know, we feel that we can make it work for us cost effectively and, and the barriers to launch are a few. So so why not? I certainly think it's the the direction in which media consumption is going generally. You know, you can see that from, you know, the, the, the success that the likes of Readly enjoyed recently. The fact that Apple is investing in Apple News and making it something different to what it was. You know, there is definitely a kind of moment where people are more or consumers are, mar, are more prepared to invest in subscriptions. And, and I think other other markets about will uh, will try to wire that way. And what are your plans for the Bikes Unlimited app going forward? So going forward, I think the plan is to a work hard on the marketing side of things to ensure that we get the app in front of us many relevant people as possible and that all of our audience at least understand what it is and what the benefit is so in the short term it, it's very much a marketing challenge we are looking at developing the product adding new content to it um, potentially creating bikes unlimited specific content because we can produce uh, digital magazines cost effectively and easily and there are some really enticing possibilities to offer things like bonus content for for subscribers and things like that so so there's definitely uh there's definitely a long way to go with it you know hooking up um hooking up more detailed analytics in, in in the short term is important for us but i think from a consumer perspective you know broadening the range of content on offer and, and, and keeping it as really good value are the best decisions that we can make great um now coming back to covid you've already touched on it um with regard to the app but can can you talk a bit more widely? For example, earlier you mentioned events and presumably the events that you cover have been affected and also your own events. Um, how how have your titles been impacted by COVID? 
I mean, it's been a significant challenge uh, and there's a number of um, strands to it. So um, motorcycling was effectively shut down uh, during the first, uh, the first few weeks of COVID-19. So people weren't allowed to ride their motorcycles for, for leisure uh, and were only able to use them to commute on. So, uh, and all motorcycle events were canceled and sport, which is a big driver of interest and sales for our audience, very sport focused. You know, sport was, was effectively uh, stopped and hasn't resumed and isn't likely to for a little bit yet. So all of those were pretty significant challenges for us to, to grapple with. In content terms, you know, we couldn't go out and ride bikes and tell people what they were like. So we were, you know, forced to think differently about our products the interesting thing for me is our our creative teams have been just fantastic in a way that they've embraced that challenge you know we've um, we've carried on producing magazines pretty much as we had before um, sharing content more between the titles that we had previously using content creation opportunities more cleverly um, resorting a little bit to archive content but 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 not in such a way that we're, we're just padding out our titles with old stuff you know th- there has been some really impressive creativity to keep things going and when you bear in mind that a, that a newspaper like MCN thrives on what's going on each week it, you know from my perspective I've just been delighted about the way that we've managed to maintain product quality I think the interesting thing for us um, in the longer term is that you know COVID-19 I think has change the way that that we're working irrevocably really um you know the the, the bow motorcycling titles are produced from an office in peterborough it's hard to conceive of us all going back there and working in the same way again now that we found you know new and different and in some ways better ways of working at home that are perhaps more efficient you know some of our old um hierarchies have been broken down I think our production process is more lightweight and more efficient. And, you know, I think generally at Bow we feel that we've been much more um, agile in this period than we ever imagined that we could be. You know, we've launched a, a gardening website in lockdown, um, which which is something that, that would have taken a long time to um, to reach fruition, I think, if we'd been in the office. But we saw an opportunity and, and went out and, and, and took it, despite none of us being in the same room together. So I think, you know, I think that's really interesting. Um, and I'm sure it, it's the story elsewhere in the, in the media. When there's a kind of external stimulus like COVID-19, just what can be achieved when you um, think differently, dig a bit deeper and you know, you're presented with a very different set of circumstances. So I don't think we'll be going back to the way that things were. I think we're looking forward in motorcycling terms to um, sport restarting again and being able to run our own events. I mean, happily, our, our biggest event of the year, the London Motorcycle Show, took place in February just before COVID-19 really hit. Um, we have had to, to postpone an event that we were due to run in May. We're not sure whether that's going to run again this year now. You know, and and, and these are things that all publishers who try to diversify their businesses are, are grappling with we're no different to anybody else um but i definitely think there's opportunities arising from um from the crisis that will shape um will shape the way that we work in future and the products that we create as well as all the threats that are pretty well documented so more homeworking, but presumably there will have to be some opportunities for getting together um face to face as well yes i i think that um I'm conscious at the moment that what we've been doing is maintaining continuity generally rather than trying to innovate and do new things, you know, and, and, and we're used to doing that based on group interaction. Um, 
I think you can achieve some of that via Microsoft Teams and, uh, and the like, you know, because Bauer is a global business and, and we, we try and look at ourselves as, as one global business these days rather than, you know, different territories. We were actually quite used to working in that way. A lot of our, a lot of our um, work was done via video calls. So I do think creativity can happen in that environment. But on a practical level, you know, our guys are used to going out and testing multiple motorcycles and standing around them and talking and, and you know, that's the way that they judge things and, and, and reach a verdict and it stimulates the creation of content and products and everything else. And we have to think very carefully about how we replace that if we assume that the kind of working environment of the future is going to be more remote. Um, equally, I think that people have been fantastically productive in lockdown. And, you know, I know that a lot of our guys are enjoying the the, the positive change to their their kind of working life of not necessarily being tied to going into an office. So I think a, a kind of hybrid approach that's balanced between some homeworking and some quite structured working in the office is probably the direction that we will end up going in. Great. And it might be difficult to say from the current viewpoint, but how do you see the automotive magazine sector as a whole developing over the next few years? I think that once we start to emerge from um, COVID and we're starting to emerge from it now, we will resume the trends that we were seeing previously, which included um, generally automotive titles moving towards more transactional models and being more useful, helping people to buy cars and motorcycles, advising them about finance, being the conduit and the, the kind of, uh, the, you know, the, the, the link, if you like, between buyers and sellers. You know, I don't think it is enough anymore just to offer great content that entertains people. You know, you have to be able to move people towards some kind of transactional funnel in parts of your business. You know, it has to be that kind of mixed model. Um, for you to survive. So I would imagine that that what we've seen, uh, you know, what we've seen happen during the COVID period will accelerate the move towards, if not digital, us having more digital touch points with our audiences and, you know, working with them in more interesting ways with regard to their data. And that's certainly what we're planning to do in motorcycling. And finally, which motorsport personality, past or present, do you most admire and why? And you could give me one on four wheels and one on two. Gosh, that is a really, really interesting and difficult question. And I spend quite a lot of time pondering that sort of thing in my rare moments of solitude these days. I think if I was going to name a, um, if I was going to name a personality on two wheels, in fact, it's one for both. It would be John Surtees, who was the, um, the first driver, rider, to win world championships in Formula One and uh, top-level motorcycling on two and four wheels, which is an incredible achievement that I don't think will ever be surpassed. And I don't think he ever really got enough credit for. So, yes, I think if there's one person who sort of straddled both of my worlds, if you like, you know, John Surtees did that in a way that I don't think anyone will ever match. Rob, thank you very much for joining us on the In Publishing podcast this week. It's a pleasure. Thank you. I would like to thank ATEX again for sponsoring this podcast. If you would like to discuss how ATEX can help you with either your content or advertising management, then check out their website at ATEX.com or contact Alberto Mari, their Head of Business Development, on 07500 
433157 Thank you to Rob for being our guest this week. You can download the Bikes Unlimited app from greatmagazines.co.uk or from the usual app stores. If you would like to find out more about us, then visit inpublishing.co.uk or email us at editorial at inpublishing.co.uk. Thank you for listening and please join me next week on the In Publishing Podcast. <laughs>